everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we're covering Better Watch Out with Mark Olestis. Yay! Yay! Welcome, Mark. We're so excited to have you. Thank y'all for having me. I've been a big fan of y'all. Y'all have me cracking up. I love to hear y'all's laughter. It's amazing (laughs) to be here today. Y'all, y'all hype me up. Y'all hype me up. Yeah. (laughs) I love your show. I I like to put it on sometimes because I'll get like uh, episodes behind you do stuff I haven't heard about or haven't seen in a while. I'm like, no, no, no spoilers. And I'll come back for them. Like, I just saw this last night. I agree. (laughs) Exactly. I do the same thing. And I don't, some people like, did you, did you, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. And they be like, oh, okay. So I understand perfectly. I do that all the time. I swear to God. I'm like, this gives me the incentive to go watch this damn movie finally because they're talking about it. Right, right. (laughs) This continues our month of let's hear it for the gays. And we're celebrating Uh, gay artists in horror history or at least the last decade because these movies are pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. We, we gotta fix that next time. No, next time. <laughs> so, Mark, this is your first time on the pod. So, we have our general questions we always start with. Number one, what's your favorite scary movie? Well, my favorite scary movie is part of y'all's namesake, A Night on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a Fredhead. It's ridiculous. So. <laughs> I mean, I think I've, the most recent episode I released is about my journey through Elm Street. So, yeah. yeah. It is a journey with it's lots a journey. of peaks and valleys. <laughs> yes. You imagine that Tisha Campbell thing? It's about the journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's our, your least favorite one? Ooh. Can we? Ooh. Right? Oh, yeah, that's that's I don't like picking between my kids, but you know what you know, but y'all know because I don't like to include it in the franchise, but it's there and I gotta sit there and acknowledge it, and I will acknowledge it as the least favorite. It's not even least favorite, it's just shit. The the remake. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. No, that one's divisive. When we get to that one, I, I don't even know what to expect. <laughs> y'all, yeah. gonna, y'all gonna talk about it? Happy back on. I would love to sit here and talk to y'all about it. <laughs> I remember that because, like, we 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 have not seen Freddie in a minute, and so we might have to break him out again next season. Sure, okay. I don't I don't think I've watched that since we were drinking and watching it in your apartment, and then had to go to rehearsal, <laughs> and you fell out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good thing. So I made up a drinking game. I made up a drinking game. So like, you know what? We, we both love Robert England, so we're going to make a drinking game out of this. And Trent's like, what? How are you going to make a drinking game? Like, Trent, we've seen these movies enough. If Whenever you hear Freddie's name, drink. Whenever you see the glove, drink. <laughs> whenever somebody tries to stay awake, drink. Oh and, wow! Yeah, I fell in and out of a car that night. And Girl, you was asking for that. Asking for that. I was in trance rehearsal dancing with the cast. Like I'd met them before. I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna do a show." I'm like, "Who's this?" <laughs> so yeah. So, so Mark, are slashers your favorite subgenre? Yes, yes, I love slashers, and I, t- you know, we we probably. You know, Oh, excuse me, you guys probably heard me talk about this plenty of times. I feel like the 80s is the best decade for slashers. And I'm still discovering slashers from that era that I have not seen before. And so it's it's this I love it. I just love the the history behind it. I know a lot of people think that slashers started with Halloween or even as far as psycho, but I always tell people if you read Agatha Christie's and then there were none, that's where the slasher started because I remember being in high school reading their book because I was out of Fear Street books and I'm like <laughs> the librarian's like maybe you might like this one I'm like body count yes, <laughs> yes. oh Agatha oh Agatha yes mm-hmm. so so Mark what is your horror origin story Okay, I love telling this story because it's so funny. When I was about two or three years old, my parents were trying to bed train me to get, you know, I had my own room. My parents, like, dad was like, I'm tired of you being in bed with us. We gotta put you in the bed. <laughs> and so mom decided that night, because we didn't have a light. We didn't, they didn't, 
my parents couldn't even afford a nightlight for me. So it was like they kept the door open a sliver for me to get some light. And so mom decides to go in the living room after she puts me to bed and starts watching a movie. And she's laughing hysterically. And you know how kids love hearing their parents laugh and shit. <sighs> I get up, toddle into the living room. And she's in there watching a Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's the scene where Freddy's in the hall, and he's about to attack Tina in the alleyway, and she's like, dear God, he's like, this is God. When Tina ran, my ass bolted, and I was like screaming. My mom was like, it's fake, it's fake, it's not real. And my dad came, I was like, why would you sit there and do that? Why would you sit there? Now we got to sit there. <laughs> and so that point on, my cousins were also... And I was talking to one of them last night. We would get together on weekends. And this is when, like, Freddy Krueger was at his height. They would sit there and watch, the, you know, the Saturday night 80s horror shows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tales from the Dark Side, mm -hmm. Twilight Zone, Freddy's Nightmares, Friday 13th. They would sit there and watch all this stuff and torture me. And I'd be in the hallway just, <laughs> <laughs> just rocking back and forth. Like, they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, they're still watching scary movies. But my cousin was trying to get me. He because he's a big horror head, and so he was trying to mold me. Let's just say, it like that, he molded me to be the person I am today because he was like, You know, you come to the video store, and I'll be the one scared to walk in the horror section with them and everything. But as we got in there, he was showing me all the great stuff like that. But Freddie was my first brush for fear, that's my first Love brush it. for fear, and Love it was my way to conquer it because I mean, USA up all night. Listen. Joe, mm -hmm. Joe Bob, you know, before all the shit came out. So it was just like, yeah. yes, give me more. And my parents were like, we, 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 something's wrong. The kids love horror now. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I, I love horror hosts. I wanted to be one when I was a kid. Like Elvira was my role model. And if we had more of that, I would actually start paying for cable instead of being like, oh, is it for my internet this time? Then I guess I'll take it. Right, right. <laughs> and I agree. We need a horror. We need a black or a black gay or a gay horror host. And I feel mm -hmm. like with I just want to put this out there right now with Shutter bringing like stuff like Dragula mm -hmm. and horror noir on to mm -hmm. the to the yeah. show to, to the channel. I'm thinking like somebody's gonna come out and they're gonna be either gay or be black and gay or just be a drag queen hosting the horror. I mean, we need I that. I would Ooh, live. Yeah. I yeah. would live. I told him I throw my head in and cosplay as Belle from Friday Night Part Two if they want me to. I shave the beard and everything, you know, to sit there and be skating around on the set and be like, well, the, tonight's yes. movie is going to be. So when they announced that Elvira was coming to do her 40th anniversary special, that's next week, right? Yeah, it's super soon. Like, luckily, what? I cancel everything for Elvira, so it's fine. But <laughs> I would like my warning. Yeah, but I, that's, thank you because I was like, did I have some plan last weekend? <laughs> you know that weekend, because I know I got to work that weekend though. But I'm like, shit, I need to watch because I can work from home, so I can sit there and watch it. Mm -hmm. But I'm praying that Elvira, because I always told, I think I've told y'all about this on Twitter. I'm like, y'all have Joe Bob. Can we at least get Elvira back on the screen and show us the perfect place for her to be on there? And then I think her book releases next week too. So it's like it's a whole Elvira thing next week. So it's just like, <sighs> give me more. Right. I, I I was so happy. I was so happy. Again, I wish that they had like said something because I've like canceled some friends because like I had a whole plan to go stay with my friend and like watch a bunch of movies for research for a project I'm writing. And okay. then I got to be like, uh-uh, Elvira's talking. <laughs> and you don't do horror and you ain't got Shutter. And so like, <laughs> oh, I'm like, I actually dragged this friend and then be like, can we reschedule for next weekend? <laughs> if yeah. Elvira's not doing anything. Oh. Right. Yeah, I right. love Elvira. I, I said, I'm going to say this, and you know, but Elvira, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch her when she was on TV when I was a kid because they didn't air her. They had like local horror hosts, so they didn't air the Macabre Theater. They didn't air that. I mean, you saw Elvira stuff, you know, the, the movie was playing on TV and stuff like that, but you saw her on like uh, cutouts, you know, poster cutouts and stuff like that. She just scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, but then I saw her actually like. I'm like, oh, she's she's very sweet. She, she's a home girl, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she's crazy. You know? yeah. like, it was like when they, when they, you know, I, I just hate that I missed out on this. So I'm the one person who goes back on YouTube and watch old clips of her. They have her clips on the YouTube. Yeah, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna hook you up. I'm gonna hook you up because she did a special for MTV back in I think '86, and she did like an hour long 
block, two hour long block, yes. and they have her entire. They they of course they can't show the videos for copyright shit, but the in the uh, in the session, um, her hosting bits. That's all a set, and I watched it every Halloween. I'm about to watch it every Halloween. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. we love Elvira here on Fear Street. Yeah. So let's change gears a little bit and talk about Midnight Social Distortion, okay. which is your show. Uh, tell us about it. Well, Midnight Social Distortion was born out of my love of horror, of course, but it was like I was noticing that when I came out the closet, I came out the closet in, um, I was 31 years old. I came out the closet in 2014. And so I took my love for horror and I also took my the, the whole gay aspect and my identity as a black man and just compared, uh, merged them all together. I was actually watching TV one night and no, I was asleep and I fell asleep. You know, old school, the TV goes out, like static starts playing. Mm -hmm. So I woke up and I was just looking at the static and I was like, distortion. I was like, hmm. And I'm like, midnight social. Okay. Boom. I guess something. So the next morning I started up and then it started off being like me just talking about my favorite things. But then I realized that somebody posted a stupid ass meme that comes out probably every three months. LL Cool J was the first black man to survive a horror movie. I'm like, nope. Mm -mm. I'm tired of seeing this shit. I mean, granted, <laughs> I have was this before I discovered Robin, Robin Coleman, uh, Robert, Dr. Coleman, Dr. Robin. Cole, you know, Dr. Robin Cole in this um, horror noir, excuse me. Yes. And I was like, okay, there were black horror survivors before LL Cool J. I need people to understand it. And even though there were some type, there were, some of those survivors were kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? They had issues. They were problematic in some aspects, but, you know, we still got to recognize them and just recognize the fact that black horror was a thing before all of this, because this is way before Get Out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was more akin to learning more about black people in horror. And so Midnight Social Distortion grew out of that. That's how I discovered Ashley Blackwell, Graveyard Shift Sisters. That's how I discovered Xena because they had a podcast together yeah. back in the day. And I didn't know. And so I was sitting and listening to their podcast. And, you know, I knew about Tonight Arrive Do and Brandon Massey. That's a whole other story how I discovered them. Real quick, I thought when I left my hometown, Mayberry. <laughs> belt buckle, belt buckle, the Bible belt. I left my hometown saying I'm going to be the first black horror writer. Got to college and got slapped with like Tanana Ravdu, Octavia Butler, Brandon Massey, <laughs> Stephen Barnes. It was like I was deprived of all of this. That's another reason why I started Midnight Social Distortion to, to show people that we've been in this genre for a long time, and it just mm -hmm. it was time for, our, for us to get our flowers, you know. Mm -hmm. and so. Agreed. That's great. That's a damn good show. Like, it's a damn Thank good time. You. Yeah, I Thank feel like you. people people think, like, quote-unquote, black horror is such a new thing with Jordan Peele. And, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, no, it's 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 been here. It's been here a while. And Jordan Peele is not even responsible for all black horror today. So let's not get that twisted. Let's not get that <laughs> twisted. I would tell people, you know, there's Blackula, even though it's problematic, but... Mm. There's Blackula, there's Vamp, there's mm -hmm. Death by Temptation, even though Abby. that movie stills Abby. I mean, you know, let's just, I, mean, I would tell people, let's have a discussion because I don't want to be like a gatekeeper, but I can tell that you don't know. You know, I always do this thing every year. I have to do the hashtag, know your black horror history. And I try to, during Black History Month, incorporate some type of black horror. Um, I mean, True, try to keep something current on the on the docket, but also put a lot of stuff pre get out, like tales from the hood. Um, yeah. love it, love it. You know, bones and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. black horror. So, where can people follow you and your work? You can follow me on Twitter at the Anti Critic, and I'm thinking about changing it to like Midnight Social Distortion. I don't know how to go about doing it and stuff, but I think the Anti Critic has you know done this part and i need people to be able to easily find me also you can find me on instagram midnight social distortion as well i'm you can also find me on marco estes excuse me the problem with marco estes is it's a private account and i need to warn people about that because i have a lot of people who i, I hate bitcoin people i hate you know those illuminati people i've been hit by the illuminati several times and 
people was always trying to sell stuff. So I'm very if you have something with horror on it or a gay flag and you post on a regular basis, I will accept you. Not not saying that you have to have that. I'm just saying that it means that you're active and I don't want people just to sit there and just be following, just to be nosy and then don't interact because I have to clean down my Instagram followers and following thing because I've hit the cap. That makes sense though. Cause like you, you, you've been working for a minute. <laughs> even before the podcast you've been yeah. up articles and stuff you've been you've been around for a minute so i can see that yeah and so like you know you guys said the midnight social story pot the midnight social distortion podcast and my blog which i'm trying to revive back up midnight social distortion blog.wix.com let us know if you get that back up and running because like i will be over there asapily and we can also share it yeah all right so let's get down into better watch out lord (laughs) Um, i'm gonna start us off because i feel like we all should have this note this is another all-white cast in (laughs) the 2000s and i just that's on my last damn nerves how this still happening (laughs) yeah yeah I, yeah, I have that note. I mean, I, I get, don't get me wrong. I love Virginia Madsen, and she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Highly, highly underused in this movie. Mm. But like, all white. Could one of the could one of the boyfriends be a person of color? Couldn't the babysitter be a woman of color? Couldn't the friend be a person of color? I don't know. Like, there's options. And there's so many options. Virginia Madsen. <laughs> so many options. So many options. The cast was as white as the snow outside the room, uh, outside the house during Halloween. And it was just, you know, the neighborhood was cute and everything, but it should have gave me an indication of what I was getting myself into because we'll get into that in a minute because I don't want to spoil. I don't want to get it. I, I want y'all to go in first and I come in behind y'all like with a cape be like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it for sure. Yeah, no, because that was my first thought. This is the second time I've seen this movie. I watched it for the first time last year when I was doing Christmas Horror because I saw a couple of lists floating around. And I was like, these can't be the best movies. And I was right. <laughs> I watched it and like, oh, I hate this. But like a couple of my friends were like, oh, why, don't, why do you not like it? And I was like, here's an essay. <laughs> the Yellow White cast is like point one. Another thing I noticed this rewatch, and I didn't catch this like the first watch, was that all the doorknobs are so high on these doors. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? What is happening? Because they're like reaching oh. for these doorknobs, and I don't understand. Is that a thing in whatever area they're in? Oh, yeah. Yes. I wonder if that was like a trend in that like 2016 era. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yes, I don't get it either. I was like, what in the? I said, what type of neighborhood are they in? I guess they try to sit there because their kids are probably like, they point. What they call them kids, they don't want to be helicopter parents and they're scared the kids gonna be able to open up the door, so they put them up a little bit higher. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it just I I was so confused because like I'm like you you all see about like five feet or whatever, but like these doorknobs are in your elbows <laughs> in your shoulders, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Is everybody just like walking around on like their knees or like squatting like they're in thought shit? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I was like these. I was over it. I was like just, just get this shit started because I was already irked about the yeah. damn baby, the, the, the kid, the 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 kids that hit the babysit. I was already irked by them. Like, ah. <laughs> I don't fuck with kids. Right. <laughs> and this movie didn't help that. No, <laughs> definitely not. So I, I just want to get this out of the way because this is super surface level for me. But and Trey already knows this. But I'm one of like the few super big horror fans, and I also really love Christmas. And so I love at from the top, I was like, oh yeah, it's another horror movie at Christmas time. Because those don't happen very often. And when they do right. happen, they're usually really bad. Now, this one right. I enjoyed, I have my issues with it, but it wasn't as bad as some of the other ones I've not watched. <laughs> I didn't get why the holiday was involved because like, I mean, aside from, I didn't get it. And it made me have more questions. Like, why is she leaving town, Pittsburgh in December for a new beginning in college? Like, did she like start high school late? Did she have to retake a semester? What happened? (laughs) For me, okay, I want to get into this because let's just get into this big twist that happened. So at first we think Mm -hmm. that there's burglars, someone outside is coming into the house and trying to get at them. But we find out 
It's really these two kids that are torturing this babysitter. For me, the reason why it really works for Christmas is because to me, I think this movie is all about loss of innocence. And what better time to be the most innocent is at Christmas time. When you think family and memories and good times and warmth and love and nope, this time it's like we're losing all of that and turning this into the child torturing this babysitter. These two fools were innocent though. And so I don't get that. But, but well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. for me, it was the I liked how they kind of like flipped the script on us uh, because I'm not gonna lie, when that when the movie hit when I first saw it, I thought it was gonna be another um, home invasion movie, maybe mm-hmm. a, like a a more horrific take on Home Alone, mm-hmm. you know, with them trying to like get the birds from coming in or like the killers from coming in or whatnot. And I remember sitting there seeing the first time I watched it. I was drinking that night too, and I was oh, like. <laughs> I remember holding my wine glass and seeing that it was the kids, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so I just sat there and just go. I'm like, "Oh, this would be this would be some bullshit." But then it's like, okay, it's that's a new twist that it's the, actually the kids, like the the terror is coming from inside the house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, but at the same time, I was like, "Wait a minute, they're not just kids." Oh my God! This is like psychopaths. Psycho. Well, the one is like a psychopath. The other one is just there because I think he's in love with the other one. But <laughs> listen, listen. Because right, I think that okay. I I do think you have a point, Shrey. I think it might have been more effective if at the top of the film, the kids were written as not talking about fucking this babysitter and wanting to look at how to you know, get girls in bed and all this stuff. When I first, when I watched it, it, that kind of worked ish for me because I mean, they're 13 year old boys during the middle of puberty, especially for the one that's a psychopath. We find out, you know, he's just, he's, there's not a lot of emotion going on. It's all about, I just, the, I want to get laid. I want this babysitter. So it kind of worked for me because they were trying to be older than they are. But I, I do kind of agree, though, that it could have been more effective if they were toned down a little bit at the top. I just, again, aside from giving the parents a holiday party to go to, I just didn't get why it had to be Christmas. I mean, the music that they play, like Christmas Carol and stuff, yeah, that's cool. But, like, it didn't work because these babies were not babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it came on with them being, like, a little bit raunchy, and then they, like, held not this person raunchy. hostage. You don't hold a person hostage just because you lost your innocence tonight. That's not how that... So I got problems with a lot of things, but specifically the way the kids are written. I have another note about their dialogue specifically because they sound like 40-year-old men. And this is a problem that some writers have when they don't talk to like people in the age bracket they're writing for and thinking of. And so they're making really corny jokes, which feels tonally wrong and he's like talking about like hedge fund managers it's like what 12 year old knows about hedge fund managers i'm 25 again and i don't know what it is really and so why is this baby (laughs) i'm dropping this shit it's kind of like with like you know the whole privilege aspect of it Mm. that's to me what scared the fuck out of me because i was like this is white male cisgender privilege run amok Mm-hmm. And that's what terrified me about it because I was like, this man, I mean, this, what I was about to say, this man, these kids were, I mean, that's these kids, Luke, I'm gonna say Luke. Luke is the poster child for a troll and like a, like a, com, um, a common section troll that was unleashed. And this is, all three of ours biggest, our three of ours, our three of our biggest nightmare, just in human form. Mm-hmm. Because I can't have the babysitter because I can't have Ashley. Nobody can have her. You are my best friend. You're going to do this. Even when he, sh- I mean, we, we're doing spoilers and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, even when he shot and killed his best friend, he was like, why'd you make me do that? He didn't take mm-hmm. ownership. He didn't take ownership of anything that he was doing. Not, yeah, just, nothing he did. There was always an excuse. Like when he killed the boyfriend with the paint can, it was because the best friend was smoking pot. How those two things 
paused one another. I don't know. But and then he killed the friend because he kissed his babysitter. Like it's all there's always an excuse that doesn't really add up. Right. And I think I've seen a lot of damn forensic files mm-hmm. and all these other, you know, um, crime two true crime shows. And this is technically what happens with a lot of these kids, you know, all of these people, they'll sit there and be like, well, you did this. Therefore I have to sit here and take you out. And I'm like, no. And then also was an indicator of how he was treat- talking to his mom. Now, you know, Virginia Madison, who we both all, uh, we all said was very underused, yeah. but when she came in and she was talking to him, cause the only time they had an interaction began the movie, he was talking crazy to her. Like okay, mom, bye. And but when she soon she went downstairs, she was kind of like I guess the director. I'm not the director, but I'm kind of guess like she emasculates the husband a little bit. I loved it. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so she could get him, right? But she couldn't get the boy. And I think that's only yeah. because this just I think it's a generational thing going on there. Where it's like that's her baby. She's you know I I, mm-hmm. I created this. This is my I'm gonna let him just talk to me any type I want to. But your but your father ain't worth shit. And I don't know if Luke took that in. It's like you know dad needs to be more uh, aggressive or something like that, or just I don't know because you're trying to figure out where did he get this sociopath? Well, this, not sociopath. This psychopathic nature from? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely one of those things I've been clocking in that how specifically white children are treated as fragile. And so you can talk to them about race or about sexism or about consent because they're supposed to be innocent. Um, <laughs> um, meanwhile, they're out here wilding the fuck out and committing crimes that nobody else of color would even attempt. Um, even though like kids of color usually like would go to jail for less than half the shit that would get away with. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it also does have... In my line of work, I have to deal with parents a lot, oh, and wow. um, they there's so. And typically, when I have to deal with white parents, my my baby couldn't do that. My baby, no, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't. Whereas with black parents, they're like, okay, I'll talk to them when they get home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of like, it's my kid. I'm blinded. I don't see this negative thing, or they're ignoring it essentially. No. I remember one time I was on the train and this woman was holding her toddler. And I mean, like, it was a it was a toddler, but it was also like a toddler that's aware enough to know about like personal space. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how kids' ages, but I would say maybe somewhere around five, six, maybe. And like the kid reached over and like grabbed my boob. And the oh mom my. was like, I'm so sorry. He just really loves Batman. I'm like, no, no, he don't know what Batman is. He grabs right. boobs and you haven't talked to him about it. Like, had right. I not been me, had I been a person who wanted to make a scene such as getting to work or my alcohol or whatever, <laughs> she would have been in trouble. How do you not go, we don't do that, say sorry. Instead, right. like, he, doesn't, he just looks Batman. And I'm like, so he just started. got a fistful of my boob. You're, you're taller. <laughs> I just got a fistful of my boob. How does she go from, like, Batman to boob grabbing? I don't understand Right? That. Right? He just really loves Batman. I'm like, this Batman logo is not what he was reaching for. Um, because oh. he reached right around it <laughs> and was like, boom. Right. In it's either way, in either way, it's a shirt that is on you. Right. I see shirts I like all the time. I don't reach for them. No. And that's <laughs> I, what I, I, say, I like your shirt. Where'd you get it? <laughs> right. I don't grab people by the chest to be like, hey. <laughs> and instead of her having right, that was a moment she didn't have with him because again, this is a kid that is of an age where he's curious about things, obviously. And instead of her being like, we don't touch other people, <laughs> here's what consent is. She's like, he likes Batman. It's not a big deal. I'm not concerned. And I'm like, you should be. You yeah. should be. Like, I'm not concerned. That's also not taking responsibility or accountability for your kids' actions and stuff right. like that. Oh, yeah. and, and another thing that that is ignored or erased that Luke has done, and we find out later on that Luke killed his friend's hamster and lied about it to his friend, which Ashley knows about. Right. And doesn't do anything. Like, does she not know like the early signs of psychopaths? Like they start with killing animals. Right. They move to on to people. Like, come on now. <laughs> and you know, you know some trend. I didn't catch that until the second time I watched it. And it was just like yeah, why didn't I? That, that's a whole. Why are you still babysitting this person? You know what I'm saying? It's like that's just that. That'd have been a little nervous to me. Like, mm-hmm. honey, um, yeah. 
I'd have been like, yeah, I can't, um, Luke, no, I can't babysit him again. No. <laughs> I'm no. sick. <laughs> I'm sick. Exactly. Oh, so my he's 12. God. Why does he have a babysitter? Yes. I took that as a really overprotective parent because you find out that she, also, when you find out that they lied about the whole sleepwalking thing so that he, they would get away with stealing something out of the mother's, the purse. mother's purse yeah right but she in the beginning you find out she has this whole system about figuring out if he's sleep slept walk or not and i'm like okay instead of doing that why not like figure out why he's sleepwalking and fix the issue right as opposed to like putting pencils on doors if parents are fixing <laughs> issues where would horror movies be <laughs> come on virginia madsen come on girl yes i just i okay I don't get the fool's plan. Like, that's my note, point blank. I don't get the plan right. because he's like, let's tie this babysitter up and do all this heinous shit to her, like assault her, and then, like, we'll drug her, and then she won't remember. But also, when they call over all these boyfriends and got all these people murdered, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. No, you're right. It doesn't make his plan does not make any iota of sense because I'm like, you might think that you probably paroused per a lot of like maybe forensic files or uh true crime docs or I investigative discovery channel or whatever though, but you do know they can sit there and like clone your damn computer and yeah. sit there and see if you research this shit. And then on top of that. It didn't make no sense whatsoever for all them boyfriends to be at their person's house. Like, no, yeah, no, none. Like, I, I don't get what the plan was supposed to be. Even the plan he doesn't show with his friend because it's just like chaos for chaos' sake. And I'm right. just like, I don't understand why this is the night to do this and what you're getting out of it, other than what. Um, and I also really hate it because when they do assault her, which we need to put that content warning on this episode, when they right. do assault her, we don't ever talk about it again. We don't pick it back up. And that's something I keep seeing when men write an assault. They're just like, we did that and we moved on. I'm like, I've not moved on though. Right. Once you show right. me that, that's what the movie's about. That's what the movie needs to be about. We have a conversation to follow this shit up. And right. it's carelessness that pisses me off every fucking time. Right. It yeah. doesn't make no sense. For me, for me the plan his plan going into this a began to get chaotic when she, when he, when his plan was foiled, because the plan was they were going to scare her. He was going to be like, I'm going to save the day, even though, I mean, he's an idiot. He's 12. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Of course, he's going to be like, no, you're not going outside to confront these crazy people. You're going to stay inside. But his plan was he's going to go out there, save the day, come back, be a big macho man. She's going to fall in love with him because that's what he thinks is effectively attracting women as being uh, the toxic masculine man. And that's not what, that's not reality. So it goes out the door when she realizes that the mask is hit Luke's mask, then realizes it's the friend that's, that's trying to scare them. So then everything just gets chaotic from there. And it's like, how can I make this work in my own, in my own favor? And I also think he knew from the moment she found out she's going to die. Well, I, two things. One, Trent, I wonder if that whole macho thing was indicative of his like mom, like how his mom sit there and like emasculates his dad, and mm -hmm. she's like, because it seemed like his mom's like, I want, like it seemed like his mom wants somebody like that, somebody who's daring to go out there and just you know save her life and not be worried about Christmas ornaments or like specialized Christmas ornaments on the trees and stuff like that, and all that and he's probably trying to like look good in his mom's eyes the second thing is i believe that that was the plan that he let his friend think was going to go down his friend because the fact is like if you were going to do that if that was the plan plan there'll be no point of you calling these boyfriends over exactly he, he, didn't wanted to he didn't do that till after she found out it's after she found out she knocked him out. He texts boyfriend to come over so he had someone to frame it on. Listen, he knocked her out. He tied her up so he had this shit ready to go already. Felt her up and then he invited over the first boyfriend and then the second boyfriend. And so why is he adding people to this equation if he's not, is this a part of what he was trying to figure out whatever his plan was, his real plan was? Like, it don't make no sense. If you were just like, we well, can't have her tell people, you isolate her and take care of that problem. You don't keep torturing her and then writing over her boyfriends and telling them to fuck in front of you. He had other 
issues and plans for that evening. I don't know what they were. I don't know if the movie knows what they were. <laughs> um, but it got off the rails, whatever it was, because he was just I mean, killing people left and right. I mean, I think he called the boyfriends over so he would have someone to frame her murder on. That don't make no sense, because of the way he was killing people left and right. Like, What's literally... The- <laughs> I'm not saying it got out of it got out of control. It got out of his hands because he doesn't. He's twelve. He doesn't know what he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he does know what he's doing. I just think the plan that we don't have an actual inkling of makes sense because again, if you really just want to frame a boyfriend for the murder, you invite over one, one. not two. But he didn't invite over the second one until after he killed the first one. But he and didn't have to kill the he didn't have to kill the first one though. He did that on his own accord because the friend and the girl was like, "Don't do it," right. and he sat there and was like. Oh, I was just trying to scare him. Scoot him over a little bit. Block knocked his block off literally. And I'm sitting here thinking like, man, you really sit there. You want us to believe that all this mayhem, there was a shotgun blast going somewhere. Mm-hmm. A shot, there was a shotgun blast. You mean to tell me that you really honestly God thought that people were not going to believe that you didn't hear any of this? Listen, Listen, I think it's my problem right now, Trent, is the fact that I watch entirely too many um free crime shows. I've just I've been well, iterating this because there's been so many people who tried to do that. No, I see right. what you're saying, I agree with you. It's just been so many people who tried to get away with their motive. Like, oh, I didn't hear him. I was in the next room, but I didn't hear that shotgun blast, bitch. Right. Listen. No, I, I, I completely agree. I just think that it fits like if 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 this 12-year-old had a perfect plan, I would have been like. Is this the orphan? Are you really 12 or are you 30 pretending to be a 12-year-old? I think I think the fool was like, I'm gonna kill her if she says no to me, and I'm gonna kill her boyfriends um because I can. But again, I don't know the what for because everything that happened was leading up to these moments of mayhem that he's creating, but we don't know what for. Like what was right. his end goal? Why tonight? <laughs> why these boyfriends well, and why her? Right. Again, I think his end goal changes. It's, oh, yeah, I think it did. I think, oh, I, I think that whatever the thing that scared me the most about this is the fact that whatever his end goal was, he thought, and he was not that he thought, he was confident, like dead right. said confident that he was gonna get away with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's scary. And because a lot, and a lot, when you talk to a or time, not that I've talked to, but like I've watched a lot of true crime stuff, when you talk to when psychopaths talk about stuff. They think they're the smartest person in the room. They think they're the smartest person mm-hmm. in the room, exactly. And they're not. Like that one dude who killed his wife and kids and buried them out by the the uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like, I didn't do nothing. So many. <laughs> Wait, I, it's funny, but it's funny because when Trent said that, the part I, it popped into my <laughs> mind exactly the the murder he's talking about. That's bad. That's bad. He, turned, he, he went into the police and was like, "I don't know." She had a I boyfriend, and then this yeah. happened. His whole story changes all the time, but he still thinks he's got them all on the run because he thinks he knows. So I think there's a little bit of that and then mixed with him being a 12-year-old and just does not understand how the world works. And he was yeah. cocky as hell. Every time he would pop somebody upside the head, he would just do the little thing with the bed. I'm like... Which is an, mm. That's what I was like. Yeah, I'm like, just Why? He, it's a bed. Throw a chair at him. <laughs> listen, yeah. listen. No, that goes back to me being like, why are these 12-year-olds written to sound and act like 40-year-olds? Because he's like, and he lines up the shot. I'm like, no 12-year-old is watching golf. Nobody at 12 is that boring. And they kept giving him other things like that. And I'm like, I why do you not talk to children? Because I don't talk to children, but I know that these references that he's using are not what their babies are into. Oh, Sheree, you come to Brown, so, you come to my hometown, there's golf teams. These kids will sit oh, there and stuff crazy. like that. They're oh, scary. It's weird. It's They're scary. Weird. They're very um, scary. <laughs> I will say, for me, what frustrated me the most was not the kids and their plan. It was the teenagers the older kids <laughs> the babysitter and the boyfriends i was like why are you continually underestimating this psychopath that's in here right this Listen. is a psychopath get like uh, a from the very top why aren't you more alarmed this door is randomly open in this right. house why right. are you not concerned that this pizza magically showed up that you didn't order why aren't you more concerned from the get-go Thank you, thank you, Trent. I look. I've done stuff. I've been by myself. I've never. Ba- well, I babysit my cousins. I don't babysit strangers. Right. Right. But the fact of the matter is, if something, if I find something out, a whack or out of place or just something that's completely off, I'm a 38 year old man. If I see anything in my house that's off, 
you know that meme of the woman looking in the she's looking like you know like what's going on that's me like for a good whole hour like i don't remember this happening i don't remember like where did this come from like, my mind is going it's going right. that was one of my things about ashley because she acted like she was hired to be security because when she starts popping off she's like stay behind me she goes upstairs with a knife and i'm like you are in front of the front door with both kids why don't you just leave just leave oh i also love the moment Okay, so she, the door's already been left open. After she clearly closed it, it's open again. The pizza shows up randomly. And then it's not till, like, I think another thing happens that she's like, why don't you have a security system? And I was like, why haven't you asked this question the first time you babysat for them? Right. <laughs> Listen. And then on top of that, I can see if y'all was on, um, if y'all was neighbors to Casey Becker, y'all a bit of nowhere. <laughs> Right. There's literally you're on a street right across the street. I would have ran across the street if somebody. At, oh my god! <laughs> at, some point, at some point, he does say that his neighbors are all out of town for Christmas, which at is real convenient. Point, it is very convenient, but it does. There is a dial, line of dialogue that. Oh, my thing. My thing is though. Yeah, maybe your immediate neighbors are gone, but like for you to clear a whole cul-de-sac, I imagine it's the cul-de-sac because the suburbs and they're rich white people. For you to clear a whole cul-de-sac. That's harder to do. Even Wisteria yeah. Lane couldn't do that. And Desperate Housewives yeah. was on for like eight years. <laughs> oh, because she does try to like SOS uh, yeah. flashlight the, the neighbors at one point before while he's killing yeah. boyfriend. And oh who are the Carolings caroling for if nobody's home? Exactly. They've been caroling up and down the street the entire time. I don't have ran into Look, it's, it's kind of like with Helen Shivers and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Instead of her stopping and looking around, I would have ran smack into them carolers. Like, yo, we have somebody at our house they would have gotten me and then i probably been smart enough to realize early on that they was up to there like okay you know what why yeah. are you over here like go to also, bed was their backyard like covered with tripwire everywhere like <laughs> did, 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 did virginia madison put that in later she was like i'm gonna get these burglars put tripwire there and there and there they're like let's home alone the backyard just in case raccoons get rowdy because <laughs> virginia madison ain't gonna have it she goes, no, she's going to get my back door. Listen. No, she, I love, I, I swear to God, I wish I'd seen more of her in this movie. It just seems like she is, she deserves more than, uh, I know they probably try to use her and Patrick Warburton as like the selling point because they're the really mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And this is before, I can't, can't pronounce this boy's name. Is it Dacre, Dacer or Montgomery? Uh, uh, he went on to be our Power Ranger in the new Power Ranger movie and he was in Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Stranger Things? Yeah, he's the, oh, the, yeah. The, the bull the bull boy. The sexy oh. bull boy. Yeah. Yeah. He's also yeah. the Red Ranger in the new Power Rangers movie. Good and for they're him. trying to get him as David. And they, they people are been saying they want him as David in the um Lost Boys, but I'm like, wow. we're, we're not trying to do a reboot. We I'm no. this to be a damn whole ass sequel because I don't yeah. I don't want to do no reboots. But um listen. Yeah. I so it's this was six years ago, so I, I feel better saying this because like if it was pretty current, people would drag me. I feel like the actor who played Garrett, which is Luke's friend, was a better actor than Luke. But because Hollywood is like this is the look we want, I feel like that's why they were cast where they were, as opposed to giving it to the stronger actor. I feel like the friend gave a more innocent like if let's just say like like you said if they switched the roles, I would have believed it, it would have probably shocked me more. If the you know, because the, the thing with Luke's face is just like you can look at him and say, Oh, of course he would do some damn shit like this. He just gets he has this smug he's too nice. Him. He's yeah. too nice. He's too you know, just like but the other kids been like, Oh that was for me. I agree. I think the performances, the performance of the friend was much more effective for me than the performance of Luke, but I also think the character he was given on paper is more interesting mm -hmm. than Luke because he has to play the juxtaposition of, I know this is bad, but I have to, he's my friend. But so now, but now I'm scared. He could do it to me. Mm -hmm. What do I do? And so I think he just has more layers to him. So, you yeah. know, I, I think it's that. And I think it goes back to my issue with the way these 12 year olds are written. Like they were like little 40 year olds and 12 year olds bodies. And again, that's a writer issue when you can't, 
when you don't remember what it was like to be that age and you can't make it the today's kids because like these kids were telling like old white man jokes. These are things that I would expect to hear on like Mad Men if I were to watch Mad Men or something like that. Um, oh, not like God. what I imagine kids to sound like. Cause like, it's just so corny. <laughs> it's just so corny. And so I yeah. feel like this actor probably had a problem with that as well as him just not being the stronger of the two. And I think that a stronger actor might've been able to help figure out some of that because it was a very, it was like somebody wearing something that doesn't fit is what it felt like. I think it also right. could have been more effective. Okay. I think for me, we spent too much time in the buildup area of right. like little scares here and there, the doors open, knocks on the door or whatever. And I would have loved to cut some of that and had a scene after shit started going down between Luke and the friend to see that relationship and where that is now. Right. As opposed to like, they're both kind of doing their own thing towards the end. I would have liked to have seen more interaction between Luke and the friend. And I think that might've helped both of their performances, honestly. Right. And Trent to piggyback off of that, I feel like that would have been more acceptable with just that interaction between the two of them and not bringing the boyfriends over because I think it takes away from that. And mm-hmm. that way, it, maybe just have a boyfriend come over because you know, you, you have like, they've been talking all night and then all of a sudden the communication goes off. They're trying to call her and stuff like that. Then it just like, it gives them more of a time to interact with each other and maybe even get the friend to actually be like, you know, okay, this went too far. Only, I only signed up to scare her. I didn't sign up to kill her or do all this stuff to her. And it would have been a little bit darker, but it probably mm-hmm. would have been an exercise in the psyches of, you know, a 12-year-old white boy's youth. You know, you have two sides mm-hmm. of the same coin. Like, right. you know, I'm okay with, you know, scaring and being a mischief teen, but I don't want to be a murderous 12-year-old. Yeah. You know, and my I, the friend that I thought that I knew, I clearly do not know. That dynamic would have been a hell of a lot more. What's the word I'm looking for? It would have been a hell of a lot more compelling than yeah. what we got. And then the name of the movie would have been would have made more sense. You better watch out. Like you better watch out for your friend. You better right. watch out for your back. You know, you watch your back, and you know, like everything that you think you know is not. It's not what it seems. And go back to your theme, Luke, uh, theme on Trent, and this is lost. This would have been the that would have been the perfect, you know, example of exploring Ennis is lost around Christmas time. But I guess they wanted yeah. to give like this black this black comedy, so, or, you know, yeah. more body count, maybe. I don't know. Because I also think it would I would have loved to have seen in that moment towards the end of the film, Luke still manipulating the friend. Into being into like coaxing him. Oh no, it's fine. It's what we got. Listen, I'll save you. I've got you. Because, like I said earlier, I firmly believe because this is also directed and written by a queer man. I firmly believe that the friend was in love with Luke, one hundred percent. That's why he was so jealous of Ashley in the beginning. He was like, "Why are you so obsessed?" Like trying to be like, "What's wrong with? Why are you doing this? Why are you?" I mean, before we even get to like the babysitter, when they're just in the room hanging out, he's like, "Why are you so obsessed with just getting girls in bed?" Because he wanted to get him in bed. <laughs> Trent, I didn't know that that was written. This was this, this was written by a queer man. That has opened my eyes up on a whole nother level. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I think it's Chris Peckover. That, something like that. Sounds right. Did he directed yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrote and directed. Oh, he co-wrote and directed. I think there was another writer too. Oh, yeah. Anyway. yeah. I'm not to reevaluate everything I've said. <laughs> <laughs> everything I just said. Okay. But I think that a conversation between the two of them, I agree, would have helped make some things make sense because we could have had the conversation about like what is a nice guy? Because clearly Gareth's not here to murder people, but was all gung-ho to be like, grab her boo, let's do some assault. And so I think that would have been a thing because I can't empathize for Garrett after that moment. Right. But again, Gareth's not here to murder people. And I'm just like, so you have a you have a value system of life and autonomy. That's not a word. I said autonomy. I don't know what autonomy is. <laughs> and you're not even drinking today, Shrey. You can't believe it on that. That's why I messed up, because I'm sober. <laughs> uh, 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 there it goes. Uh, so one thing, because I, I know I just mentioned that I would have cut down on that uh the like build-up tension area of the film. And I, I still firmly believe in that. But one of one of those scares that was really effective to me, and it's effective every time it's used in a horror film, 
when you see a figure or a person or something behind your main characters mm-hmm. that they can't see, a la like uh, the strangers. Yes. When I he's just like standing behind in the back of the mm-hmm. room and she's like fixing the the fire alarm. But in this one, when they're watching the movie and it just looks up and you see the per the well, we find out later it's a stand up whatever cut out cardboard cut out just standing in the window behind them. I was like, oh god, that's so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> gets you too, Trent. I like that. <laughs> it is those are good jump scares that don't require a loud ass noise to do right. it. You know what I'm saying? That's very. I think in today's movies, that's more effective. It's more environmental because you right. don't know. Because like right now, I mean, I do know because I've got a camera. But like normally, I don't know who the fuck's behind me. Like oh, in Scream, when Ghostface comes out behind Randy, and it's oh, really yeah. funny because Jamie's Randy saying Jamie, he's behind you, and Jamie. Let's see. Anyways, meta. Uh, <laughs> if the new Scream does not utilize these cameras to have people see people behind people while they're FaceTiming or whatever. I will be upset. Because, like, I know for a fact, because I'm in a little box, I don't wear, like, glasses when I'm talking to people and they want to FaceTime me. I'm like, wait, what do you mean somebody's behind me? And I feel like that is the moment. That is the moment. Make us afraid to FaceTime. People stop FaceTiming me. I'm a texter. Yeah, and like, like, I'll see if all three of us are sitting here right now looking at each other. And, like, if if I just sit there to pick something off the ground and there's something, like, right there and you just, that would fuck me up. Especially because you're in the conversation and then you just sit there and do this right here. And he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like host. Host yes. is a prime example. Tell yeah. God I can't watch that movie again. But ever. <laughs> ever, ever. I just want to say that I don't know. I don't understand this thing with the spider. I was just, the spider. I hate spiders. I hate them. And so I forget the movie had a spider in it. And so when he, she like, oh, I was like, what the fuck? I was in the drink. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, shit. I knew a. I knew that was his from the beginning. No, no, not the because you see it twice. You see it once in the kitchen, then you see it again in the attic. And I was like, oh, this boy's got spiders. I think they were they were just there to scare her. Yeah, Ooh, yeah they scared me. That was the scariest part of the movie for me. That and children, because I don't like children. <laughs> you got spiders and kids in this movie. Why am I here? <laughs> exactly. And I was yeah, like, I, like I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, y'all. If I'd have known that that was in, I'd probably like, yeah, let's just let's just do something else because yeah. I don't fuck with spiders. Yeah, and, the, spiders. and then my suspicion was confirmed at the end when he's like putting the spiders back into his little cage that he's got, and I was like, I knew it. <laughs> 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 well, I think the other hot take that I had was um, I feel like the babysitter on Netflix had a no, it was out of all the baby. Is it, can we call that a sub genre babysitter stalker yes. movies? Like, yeah. I think um, when the stranger calls this, yeah. that Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I think that even we you know Halloween, they don't hold a candle to Halloween. This doesn't help. Oh, no, for sure. But, uh, for I think that the out of the two movies, I think the babysitter came out this same year. I feel like the babysitter was more effective because it was doing what, it, what this one was trying to do. And I don't want to sit there because I just found out this is a queer um, writer and director. I don't want to put his shit down too much. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> I. I just feel like the babysitter did a better job at what they were trying to do. Keep the light. It was kind of like it was light. It was a good horror movie. You could probably say it was an entry horror, but at the same time, I feel that this one touched on so many like, it was like a minefield of problematic um, tropes. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, boom, boom, boom. Just like you see you walking through it. And I was like, like I said, I was just terrified because the last scene of the movie of uh, when he was sitting there and Virginia Madison comes in and she's holding him, I was like, this little fucker is going to get away with it. <laughs> and then so when she woke and we got a live one, I said, who is it? And I'm like, when she came out, she gave him the finger. I said, yes, yes. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then yeah. they gave us the end of the post credit. Mom, I think I need to go to the hospital. Like, shit. Shit. <laughs> I hate that moment. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch that moment, so we're good. Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. I, I actually kind of slightly disagree. I think this one was a little better for me than The Babysitter. Okay. But similar. <laughs> similar. Okay. Anyways, Sheree, what's your hot we disagreed take? on Fear Street. Right? <laughs> my, my hot take is if this were a shorter movie, it might have been harder to see some of the flaws 
because I feel like the length is why they got in their own way and started making it murky and whatever this mess became. I think it had been like a nice long 20, 30 minute situation. They would have killed or tried to involve those people. <laughs> we could have gotten it over with. I think they definitely could have gotten it down to like an hour 20 for sure. Easily. Cut out some of that build up stuff. <laughs> no, I was going to say my, my hot take was that, it, like I said earlier, it's white cisgender privilege run amok. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but, but now knowing that this was written by a queer man, a queer white man, that may be his whole thing. Like this is, <laughs> this is our youth and you should be scared because <laughs> he was probably the babysitter. Can you imagine him being the babysitter? And then like, you have like this kid just trying to torment you with something like that. So looking at it from the queer eye, like that makes it even more terrifying. And I will give him his props because he truly scared the shit out of me with this. Because I tell people all the time, the only thing that was that scared me about this movie was the fact that Luke genuinely th- th- he 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 felt that he was gonna get away with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the thing when you look at these true crime things, you know. Me and Trent, you talked about it, we all talked about it. You look at these people and they genuinely feel they're gonna get away with it. Oh, the and they think the jury is stupid. They think the prosecutors are stupid. They think all the test expert witnesses are stupid. That's scary. And it's really not. And I want to sit here and put it. Um, the only thing that makes it scarier, because I, I equate this to all killers, no matter what color, race, um, gender, background, whatever. It's just a sexual orientation, whatever. It's just because sociopath sociopaths and psychopaths don't have a certain you know look mm-hmm. and I think the thing about this one the difference is that he probably could have gotten away with it because you know he's you know a white cisgender man because then it's not him being a criminal it's him needing assistance or help he had a bad right. day right. right yeah no I I agree I think that for me that's why I think this one is a little more effective than um the babysitter because you're right this one's commenting for me on toxic masculinity and like right. that whole world that we live in whereas the babysitter i couldn't while i understood her character i didn't really get what she what the comment was it was trying to make so my hot take was even though i enjoy this movie i do think it would be better served for a second twist that's bigger than oh shit she is alive Mm-hmm. something in there i'm not saying to add more time to it i'm just saying like flip something on the end maybe the ex-boyfriend comes in and then like takes over and he's the real like the culmination of toxic masculinity or mm-hmm. something i don't know I'm just throwing things like spaghetti on the wall and seeing what happens i just want i just wanted to be flipped up on its head one more time give me something one more time that like flips it over one more uh, again i agree we needed something else because i felt like it got really flat and I was like, after all this and all this time you're taking, you need to give us something else. You need another spike on this heart line. Here goes something. What if all the neighbors, yeah, they're out, they're gone. But what if they all had like, uh, what do they call them, ring cameras? Ooh. And it caught everything? Because that's something he probably could not have thought about. Thought about. Like, yeah, let's just say if Ashley did die and she gets put you know, and everything like that, and then he's like, I'm innocent. And then all the, the movie ends with all these rain cameras around the house showing him doing stuff. That would have been like the slow clap at the, at the theater. Like, yeah. yes, he did not get away with it. You know, something right. like that. Or, or even if Ashley is alive and he's like, oh, I'm going to the hospital. And then they show those rain cameras. Like, yeah, you can't break it. I have to take all our cameras. Or then like the people be at home, be their vacation. Like, Oh, you see what they're doing over there at someone's house? <laughs> he's, he's climbing on the roof and knocking over reindeer. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that would have been fun. No, yeah, because like at first when 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 he cuts her neck and then he's like cleaning up all his stuff, I was like, please don't tell me this ends with him. Like, really, even though that would be more that that's accurate. Like, I'm not saying it's not, but I was mm-hmm. just like, please don't tell me this is the way. But then when Virginia Madsen's in there with him, comforting him. And they say, someone's still alive. I was like, yes. Exactly. And they wheel exactly. her out. She flips him off. I was like, okay. I, you know, it was a rough ending, but I can I can take it. Let me ask you guys this. Have you seen, y'all seen Asylum, right? American Horror Story Asylum, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who did it better, Ashley or Lana Banana? <laughs> <laughs> 
my heart belongs to Lana. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go, Sarah Paulson, always and forever. Always. I was like, that was an homage to my girl Lana because when she did this shit on Asylum, I was like, yes, fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so happy. <laughs> I want to go back for that season. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Better Watch Out. Thanks so much, Mark, for joining us on this wild ride. Thank y'all for having me. And this was fun. This was therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, next week, we're watching or covering The Empty Man with Ryan from Brother Ghoulish. And that's going to kick off our month with a little help from our friends where we actually collectively said, let's invite a bunch of podcasters to sprinkle them around like we do throughout our season. <laughs> so we'll be here with a podcaster every week. So it's really fun that you're ending this month. So it's, okay. <laughs> so it's really like a month, a, a month and a week, a week and a month. Yeah, because you're the second podcaster in this month. And we were like, what if we did this on purpose? So just calling podcasters in on random. What if we said, there's five weeks of podcasters and just freaking on like seasoning. What if we did that? That's awesome. I, y'all, if y'all want me back, I'm here. I'm here. Awesome. Listen. We'll have to have you back sometime. Please. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, we're super excited to get this month started. Thank you all for listening again. And make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>